It's now my great pleasure to introduce our guest speaker. Oh, our guest speaker this morning. That's a novel idea. And this guest speaker is always exciting. He always brings a new energy. It always feels like he's a new person because he's always up to new and exciting things. Will you welcome with me our guest speaker and spiritual director, Reverend Patrick Cameron. Good morning and welcome. What a beautiful day, huh? I want to uh, point out our flowers today. They, they are here. Uh, you, many of you know Reverend Sue Stevens, and Reverend Sue has a, a focus ministry. And she was, has been a, a member and supporter of this community and continues to be a supporter of our teaching. And her daughter, Erin, uh, and, and uh, Reverend Sue have opened a flower um, franchise on the south end. And I just want to, so we invited, we went to her open house. Laura and I went last week to her, their uh, grand opening, and we said, let's get some flowers for the center. And so Reverend Sue Stevens is here with us in the form of these beautiful flowers. And uh, it's, it's funky petals, and it's down off of 23rd and uh, just south of Ellerslie Road, down in that neighborhood there. So if you're interested. So she's with us in spirit today. Anyway, with that said, I'd like to end Karen's going to be playing uh, in this very room along as we sing. If you'd like to join me in that song, if you'd like to stand, please feel free. And if not, please stay seated. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit. One spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. So know with me. Join me energetically. Let us step into the vibration of the Most High right here and right now. And for me, that, that doorway, that threshold is a willingness and openness. So as I take this breath, and I invite you to take one with me, that breath is a representation and a reminder and the application and the invitation in my own experience of the divine flow of life here and now, in and through and as me. I become that portal of divine expression, of divine creativity, of divine communication. And so I just give thanks. I give thanks for this powerful, beautiful day. This day to plant seeds and to create. And this, this day to look at the beautiful, beautiful things in my life, your life, that are, are the bounty of our harvest. And as a result of the seeds that have been planted and the expectations that we carry and the consciousness we nurture. And so when we're available to that, as I'm available to that in this moment, I give thanks for all of it. For it is all good. It is all God. It is all for me. For this I give thanks. I release these words in gratitude and appreciation, amplified 
reminded, supported, and loved beyond measure. For this I give thanks, and I invite you to say with me, and so it is. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you, Karen. Thanks once again. All righty. Today, I entitled my sharing with you, What Do You Want? Ignore the Question. Which, uh, I, and I have a, some wonderful things I want to share around the, that idea. Because most people, when you ask them what they want, they don't know. In fact, if you ask me right now what I want, I'll probably tell you, I don't know. And we talk about being clear and about setting an intention. So what is the whole deal around this? So I want to I start with that because there's a whole way to approach this that I think is wonderful and, that, and the information that I want to share with you that supports building this idea around a bigger idea. Last week was about a bigger idea. This week is about what do we want? Throw away the question. William, or I'm sorry, Wallace Waddles. I always want to say William. Wallace Waddles was a writer in the, uh, in the 1920s that inspired Rhonda Byrne to produce the movie The Secret. So if you've seen The Secret or heard of it or read the book, it was a, it's an idea about the perennial truth, ancient wisdom that we teach and put together in a form of a movie. And I know many people here have seen it and we did a, uh, some programs around that, the, the, the Secret. But Wallace was the inspiration for Rhonda Burns. And, uh, and coming from uh, Wallace Waddle's book, How to Get What You Want, I want to sh- begin the discussion with a quote from, from Waddle's. In accordance with this principle, then, you can advance only by more than filling your present place. You must do perfectly all that you can do now. And it is the law that by doing perfectly all that you can do now, you will become able to do later things which you could not do now. The doing to perfection of one thing invariably provides us with the equipment for doing the next larger thing because it is a principle inherent in nature that life continuously advances. Every person who does one thing perfect is instantly presented with an opportunity to begin doing the next larger thing. This is the universal law of all life, and it is unfailing. First, do perfectly all that you can do now. Keep on doing it perfectly until the doing of it becomes so easy that you have surplus power left after doing it. And then by this surplus power, you will get a hold on the work of a higher plane and begin to extend your correspondence with environment. So it's a bit of a, it's worded in a certain way, in a certain language. What Waddles is talking about is that as we step into a new proficiency, I, at the first service, I love hearing Dale's uh, Chapman stick, this beautiful instrument in her voice. And, and whenever we're learning something, I'm sure when Dale purchased that instrument or Karen pur- purchased some of her horns, that the, the process is very mechanical, thinking it through. And then eventually, once that proficiency is mastered, the artistry starts to emerge. But what it requires is practice. It requires repetition. It requires doing it over and over and over again. And what Waddles is saying is that when we anything in life it becomes by rote to us. You know that, that if you take a frog and throw a frog into a, a pot of boiling water, it'll hop out. But if you put a, um, a container of cool water on the stove and place the frog in it and turn the heat on and, and, and uh, bring the heat up to the point where it boils, the frog won't notice and it'll boil to death. And it's a wonderful example of how we can get used to living in limitation. We can get used to getting uh, married to or attached to a certain idea and not realizing it. 
And what it does is that the point being is that it, it limits our capacity to be in the world and to live our lives and to share our gifts and, to, and all of the opportunities that, that we're surrounded with. So it's about building that because once we become proficient with that, then all of a sudden a whole not, another level of energy and opportunity becomes available. Wallace continues, Bear in mind that the motive force which gets you what you want is life. And that, and that what you want is, in the last analysis is an opportunity to live more and that therefore you can get what you want only through the operation of the universal law by which all life advances continuously into fuller expression. That law is that when, whenever an organism has more life than can find expression by functioning perfectly on a given plane, its surplus life lifts it to the next higher plane. So if we're interested in having a larger experience of life, a richer experience of life, it, it, what it, Waddles is telling us right here is that to, to, to be able to bring the full measure of our abilities, our, our energies, our talents, our skills to this moment. That's why spiritual practice is so important. It's not, it, you know, we're not here, I mean, the way I was conditioned as a young man was, you know, the idea that, it, you know, you, you do the right thing so that you meet the approval of the divine. And it's a very, it's a very interesting idea that, that God is a man and then I'm, and if I please the man, good things are going to happen to me. And they might not happen to me in this lifetime, They're probably, but, but my reward is assured. And what I love about Holmes is Holmes says heaven's here today. God's here today and heaven's here today. It's not, it's not futurizing. It's a present moment experience. So the reason that you want to practice the forgiveness, the reason that you want to practice being in integrity with, with others is because it puts us in integrity with ourselves, which frees our energy to do things that are more interesting so we can live an amplified expression of life. See, so my motivation is very self-serving. I'm very ambitious with this because I want to share my gifts. I don't want to be stuck in the personalities and the things that, that restrict that. I just find it more interesting and more fun to be fully alive. That law... Waddles continues, that law is that whatever an organism has more life than can find expression by functioning perfectly on a given plane, its surplus life lifts it to the next higher plane. And when you put enough of yourself into your present work to do it perfectly, your surplus power will extend your work into a larger field. It is also essential that you should have in mind what you want. So you need to know what you want. Because what happens, we may be doing something perfect here, but if, if we have all this surplus energy and we don't know what, what we want, the surplus energy just spins. What difference does it make? And, then, and who knows how it plays itself out? So that's why it's important. And Holmes said it. He said to learn how to think is to learn how to live. This is great. Mary says what we do is, Mary Madden Morrissey says, is what you do is you upgrade what you want to preferences. And she talks about the levels of, I didn't go over this the first service, but I always have a bit more uh, time uh, round two. And she talks about the four quadrants of, of, of liveliness. She talks about low participation, high attachment. So we don't really participate in it, but we sure like a lot more, which is the reflection of vic victim consciousness. I really want it, I really want it, I really want it, but I don't really don't want to have to do anything to get it. And so we remain a victim. The next one is low participation, a low attachment, and that's just barely alive. You know anybody like that? The next one is high participation, high attachment. That's the type A personality. Those are the people you look at and you, you would call it the rat race. And the problem with the rat race is even if you win the race, you're still a rat. So type A personality, it's grasping, it's futurizing the good, it creates a feeling tone of lack. It comes from a dream instead of, see, instead of seeking to get it. Oh no, Mary says to come from the dream instead of seeking to get it because that's that high attachment, 
high expect high participation and high attachment so ideally she talks about high participation low attachment which is really about bringing the best of everything we have to everything we do and understanding whatever the results are the results are but if we've done our best we've done what we can do and it's also a gift to ourselves so it's managing our energy it's managing our consciousness so I want to I want to share with you some of the information that I brought that I think ties in beautifully with the ideas that Wallace has. And it's from Timothy Ferris's. I brought the book up with me. We don't carry these in the bookstore. It's a four-hour work week, and it's an amazing guy. He's just an amazing thinker. And um, he, this is his expanded version. But he's got some ideas in here. So this idea of what do we want, he addresses in the book and it inspired today's discussion, or at least the, the title of the, the sharing. He says, doing the unrealistic is easier than doing the realistic, is the title of the chapter. He says, it's lonely at the top. 99% of people in the world are convinced that they are incapable of achieving great things. So they aim for the mediocre. The level of competition is thus fiercest for realistic goals. Paradoxically, making them the most time and energy consuming. It is easier to raise a million dollars than it is to raise a hundred thousand. It is easier to pick up the one perfect ten in the bar than the five eights. If you are insecure, guess what? The rest of the world is too. Do not overestimate the competition and underestimate yourself. You are better than you think. Unreasonable and unrealistic goals are easier to achieve for yet another reason. And why it ties in so beautifully with Wallace is having an unusually large goal is an adrenaline infusion that provides the endurance to overcome the inevitable trials and tribulations that go along with any goal. He gives a great example here. He says, if I choose... If I choose to, uh, uh, to, to go on a catamaran trip through the Greek islands, I will run through walls to get there. But he said, if I choose instead, I probably won't change my brand of cereal for a weekend trip through Columbus, Ohio. If I choose the latter, it is realistic. I won't have the enthusiasm to jump even the smallest hurdle to accomplish it. With beautiful, crystal clear Greek waters and delicious wine on the brain, I'm prepared to do battle for a dream that is worth dreaming even though their difficulty of achievement on a scale of 1 to 10 appears to be a 10 and a 2 respectively, Columbus is more likely to fall through. The fishing is best where the fewest go. The fishing is best where the fewest go. And the collective insecurity of the world makes it easier for people to hit home runs while everyone else is aiming for base hits. There's just less competition for bigger goals. Doing big things begins with asking for them properly. So it's the right question. So this whole idea, Joseph Campbell said it, follow your bliss. What brings you to life? Follow your passion. What makes you happy? And, and years ago, my, whole, my answer, up until I read Ferris's book and I got a bigger idea, was that, you know, I, I was brought to this teaching because I wanted to be happy. Timothy Ferris says, most people will never know what they want. I don't know what I want. If you ask me what I want to do in the next five months for language learning, on the other hand, I do know. It's a matter of specificity. What do you want is too imprecise to produce a meaningful and actionable answer. So forget about it. What are your goals is similarly fated for confusion and guesswork. To rephrase the question, we need to take a step back and look at the bigger picture. He says, let's assume we have ten goals and we achieve them. What is the desired outcome that makes all the effort worthwhile? The most common response, as I would have suggested five years ago, is happiness. I no longer believe that it is a good answer. Happiness can be bought with a bottle of wine and, can, and has become ambiguous through overuse. 
There is a more precise alternative that reflects what I believe the, obje- the actual objective is. He says, bear with me. What is the opposite of happiness? Sadness. Just as love and hate are two sides of the same coin, so are happiness and sadness. Crying out of happiness is a perfect illustration of this. The opposite of love is indifference. And the opposite of happiness, and here's the clincher, as he says, is boredom. Excitement is the more practical synonym synonym for happiness, and it is precisely what you should strive to chase. It is the cure-all. When people suggest you follow your passion or your bliss, I propose that they are in fact referring to the same singular concept, excitement. And this brings us full circle. The question you should be asking is what excites you? What brings excitement to you? And that's a level of aliveness. Because if you're excited about it, what I know about what we love, we take care of it. I know what we love, we take care of it. And see, what I get, the more and more I'm on this path, I get how important my energy is, where I'm giving my energy. Laura and I, uh, we have been, we made a decision about a year ago that we were going to give up some of our responsibilities. And part of one of those responsibilities is we own some revenue properties. And we've been landlords and we decided we were not going to do this anymore. And so through a series of different things, because it takes time to prepare the table. Do you know what I mean? You're going to serve the meal, but it takes time because sometimes you've got to go over and you do repairs and you've got to wait for resources. Anyway, long story short, I've gotten all the things done. On, we're selling our home and we're selling a, a, a rental property, which you think is sold, uh, is sold now, but we're, we're waiting to get some paperwork done. So, but in, in the course of this, I get everything ready. I'm doing things. I'm doing bathrooms and kitchens. And I'm an old carpenter and contractor, so I'm busy with a lot of stuff. And I, and I, I hired a lot of people to do it. I just didn't have the time and the energy. So I, I brought some people in. Anyway, get it all ready and put it on the market. And I start looking around the neighborhood. And I'm looking at it. And, and, and now the weather's getting better. And people are not taking care of their lawns. I got a neighbor that doesn't. And I, do, I always cut my neighbor's lawn because it's very small. And she's a lovely lady, but they don't have a lawnmower. So I cut hers and so take care of that. And I get ours. And I got a guy next to me, and his dandelions are up to about the knee. And then the guy on the other side of him, his dandelions are up to about the hip. So I'm coming out every morning, and I'm looking at it. And I'm like, oh, man, look at this. And then I go over to the other property, and I got the same situation. And now I'm really getting frustrated. And I called one of the, the guy next to me, and I said, hey, you know what, I'm going to put up a new fence. Would you? And I just wanted to see if you wanted to help. I was going to do it anyway. I said, would you mind splitting the materials with me? And his response is, well, it better not be over the property line. And I said, well, no, I'm going to use the same posts. I'm just going to put a new fence up, and I'll replace the posts that are shot, but most of them are good. Uh, it better be pressure-treated material. So I realized the way the conversation was going. I just wanted to let him know what was happening, but he wasn't interested in participating in any meaningful way. I said, okay, thanks. I'll talk to you later. I did call him back, though, and I said, would you mind if I hired a gardener to do your yard? And he said, uh, and then he went in kind of a panic, and I said, I'm not, I'm not trying to create trouble. I just want to know if you'd be willing to let me have somebody take care of it. And so there was, he, he didn't get it. He was defending it. So finally, I just said, you know what? Whose problem is this? Thank you. It's my problem. And so what I realize is I'm churning and churning and churning with this frustration of these people aren't taking care of the lawns. And I said, you know what? I got a lawnmower. I got a weed whacker. I got a hedge trimmer. I got, a, I got all the stuff. And so I said to Laura, rather than spinning this stuff, I'm going to go cut lawns. So Thursday, and every Thursday since the grass has been growing in Edmonton, I've been doing seven lawns. And I got to tell you, I feel so good. 
I like look, and, and, and the best part of this is yesterday. I'm, I'm coming away, and I loaded, and I'm just covered from head to toe with, or it was Thursday, not yesterday. I'm just, grass is in my ears and my nose, and I come in the house, and Lord's like, where have you been? It's, it gets dusty after a while. And I said, I got all the lawns done again. It's lawn day, it's Thursday. But as I'm leaving the last place, I'm loading the lawnmower, and, and this guy comes walking up, and he looks at it, and he says, uh, yeah, and I was in front of one of the properties we're selling, and he said, you selling it? Yes, yeah, and I'm the owner, and he said, Sure looks like people take good care of their lawns around here. <laughs> and I said, it would appear that way. <laughs> that was my goal. It was like validation. It was like God walking down saying, man, this looks good. I still feel good about that. That's going in the book, I'm telling you. It was awesome. And, but that's what I wanted. See, what I wanted was the excitement. It's like, hey, it's ready. Come on, take a look at it. And, and so I, I know all that, but it, for me also, part of it is the preparation. It's just, just getting into a point where you just feel good inside your being to say, I did everything I could, you know, so that you create great value. You're not, I'm not, th- you know, when we, we, we start out thinking that we need to take something from someone to have ours, it totally goes against this whole idea of life. To provide great value and great service and to say, you know what, I've got, I'm selling this property or I have this product that I, I'm offering you and I've put the best I have into it. It's just being in integrity with yourself. It's just saying, yeah, here I have done my best. And, and, and you stand in that. And it's this, so this whole energetic. So what that is, is bringing that perfection that Waddles is talking about to do in the lawns. And the whole time I've been doing this over the weeks, there have been times when, when I first started out, I was, still, I was still a little angry. And I'd say, you know what, this is your problem. So do your prayer work, do your spiritual work, and be able to do this with as much love and as much present moment perfection and then it was just, and then I, oh, somewhere I passed the invisible wall of resentment. But I, you know what? If, here's what I know about spiritual practice. Here's what I know about driving a car. If I get into my car and I sit behind the steering wheel and, and I affirm over and over and over again, I'm driving. And I'm just sitting in the driveway, I'm hallucinating. <laughs> Correct? The only way that that car is going to take me anywhere is I've got, first of all, I've got to turn the key. But before I even turn the key, I've got to put gasoline in the tank. You've got to fuel it. If I want to heat a home, and it, I, I, you've got to get hooked up to whatever form of heat you're going to use. Electric or gas, or go out and bring in some logs. But to sit in a chair and affirm, I'm warm, I'm warm, I'm warm. It's like the guy that dies and goes to hell. The, med- the religious scientist dies and goes to hell. And he sits in the corner and he's, aff- he's affirming, I'm not here and it's not hot. I'm not here and it's not hot. I'm not here and it's not hot. Denial, which is not just a river in Egypt. It's denial. Timothy verses, most people will never know what they want. And it's true. Excitement is what we want. So what excites you? See, I can figure that out. What excites me? I love life. I love this teaching. I love watching. You know, and, 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 he, and what I love about him also, he says, if, you're, if your goals are just intellectual, it's not enough. And if your goals are just a, a physical, if gluttony is your goal, it's not enough. He doesn't say don't do those things. He said, but you're just limiting it. It's the, it's the mosaic of, of uh, the textures of life. All of it. All of it's beautiful. He says he's got a really fast motorcycle and he loves to drive it. 
And it's one of the things he loves. He puts it down on his list because he said it makes him feel like a cool dude and there's nothing wrong with feeling like a cool dude. So what makes you feel like a cool dude? I see the guys with motorcycles looking at their wives and girlfriends right now. So he gives a list of questions. I'm going to flesh this out more next week. But I want to touch on them a little bit. What would you do if there was no way you could fail, he asked, if you, were, if you were 10 times smarter than the rest of the world? And so what he does with all of this, he, he creates specific questions and timelines. And when I worked with Maria Nemeth, she did the same thing. Give yourself a timeline. Mary Manon Morrissey does it in Prosperity Plus. Create two timelines, Ferris says. One six months and one 12 months and list up to five things you dream of having, including but not limited to material wants, house, car, clothing, being, being a great cook, being fluent in Chinese, being whatever it is, doing, visiting Thailand, tracing your roots overseas, racing ostriches. If you have difficulty identifying what you want in some category, as most will, consider what you hate or fear in each and write down the opposite. Makes sense. Do not limit yourself and do not concern yourself with, with how these things will be accomplished. For now, it's unimportant. This is an exercise in reversing repression. Drawing a blank is number two. So he gives five questions. One place you want to visit. One thing to do before you die. One thing to do daily. One thing to do weekly. One thing you've always wanted to learn. Number three question, what does entailing require? What does being entail? So being a great cook, what does that entail? He says, he's an example. Great cook, making Christmas dinner without help. Fluent in Chinese, have a five-minute conversation with a Chinese co-worker. So the goal has some... some, some uh, um, a practical application in being. What's it going to take for that to happen? Otherwise, it just stays, it's so easy. Dr. Holmes said it. Uh, realization without application is hallucination. Mary Manon Morrissey says that realization without uh, um, doing something is entertainment. It's, it's entertaining to think about. What is being entail doing? Number four, what are the four dreams that would change it all? Using this six-month timetable, star or otherwise, highlight the four most exciting our most important dreams from all columns. Repeat the process within the 12-month timeline if desired. So pick out the four and get specific. See, and part of what we know about this is if we, we come up with the what, if we understand the what, and it brings us to life, there's the excitement there, the infinite takes care of the how. I was standing out with Bruce uh, Wolner. Bruce was at the first service, and we were do, looking at his flowers. If you've seen our solarium area, Bruce does our flowers and our landscaping. It's beautiful. It's just beautiful. Everything's popping. You know, that's an amazing thing about, about Edmonton. It's just this life springs forth. And so Bruce and I were standing out there, and we were in, this, we were in the, the patio in the middle of it, and I said, you know, isn't this such a beautiful area, Bruce, with the sunlight and the, just the beautiful flowers growing? And, and all of a sudden, this vision arose for me about the possibility for what that part of the building could look like. And I said, you know what, Bruce, wouldn't it be great if we had like a four-story office space with plenty of office space, we could rent it out to people, we could offer it to people that need space, and it would have this atrium in the middle full of plants all year long with a, a glass ceiling. I said, wouldn't that be beautiful? Now, I don't want you to get excited. I'm not pushing for this or anything, but the, it just emerged, and I thought, wow. Because what I know about Edmonton, and I know about how long the winters are, is the sunlight, we crave the sunlight. And in this last winter was just so spectacularly oppressive in so many ways. <laughs> But, but I just thought about it, and I thought, wow. And Bruce and I were looking, but it was, it was just this, this spontaneous eruption of, of this idea that bubbled up. And I thought, 
that's when, when, I, when I discovered the labyrinth in Fillmore, it was the same process for me. It showed up in a picture in my head, and I said, you know, a labyrinth would be a great thing to have. Jerry Harris gave me a, a, a tape, a, um, a cassette tape of a talk I did when I was here in the first 90 days, back in February 16th, 2003. And it was the week after I'd gone home, we buried my dad. And Laura had come back here. Laura wasn't here with me. We were, I was still living in the facility, and Laura came back with me for that weekend. And so many of the things on that talk that we talked about, we're experiencing now. The labyrinth and the floor, the chairs. We didn't have this platform before. The lighting, the things we've done, the backdrops. I remember when I put these sheets up and people were asking me, why are you hanging sheets in the sanctuary? I said, just hang in there with me. The lights are coming. But part of it was just being willing to have the conversation. You know, that way we don't have to change the paint every few months, which was always fun. Um, but, but the point is that so many of the things, the details, and it's not just the physical things, but it was the, the ideas around community and the ideas about people shared, and shared leadership, people stepping up. And we didn't have, you know, we didn't have Reverend Catherine McLeod and we didn't have Reverend Pat Burdell and we didn't have Reverend Catherine Cardinal and we didn't have Reverend Tammy Banting and another Reverend, and Reverend Connie Nissen. I, I don't know if Reverend Connie's still here. But we didn't have all these ministers then. We didn't have, we didn't have a practitioner corps. We had a different board of tru- uh, directors, uh, trustees. We had a different budget. We had a different, uh, there were a lot of things we did differently. We had a different musician team. On that CD, there's so many wonderful people. I hear Dean Brunwell singing. You know, Dean doesn't attend every Sunday, but I'll tell you something. Dean's a tither to our community. Here's a man who married a beautiful woman. He, we went through a whole thing with him and, and um, what was his wife's name? Sibel? And so, you know, we prayed and we loved both of them. And they went through, uh, and she passed away. She had bone cancer. And Dean remarried a woman, and she's Mormon. So he says, you know, I want to honor my wife, and I want to, but I love this community. Thank you what you've done for my daughters. Every month, we get a, a very nice, generous check from Dean. I don't want to say this to embarrass him, but I mean, a lot of times you don't know these things. So Dean, and I hear Dean, and Dean was a wonderful singer, wonderful presence, and he's on the CD. And people that were part of our music program. And so, but it was so beautiful to hear it, and I thought, wow. It was a wonderful celebration, and, I, and Laura came back, and I introduced Laura, and, and, and we, had, we were missing each other terribly. Her life didn't change. My life had changed completely. She was left to do everything we'd been doing together by herself. So, but it's interesting to go revisit those ideas and hear the conversation of where we were and the evolution of it. Mary Madden Morrissey says that, you know, a lot of times we want the oak tree. And then all of a sudden the oak tree starts coming up through the ground and it sticks its head up. And our, our tendency sometimes, if we're not awake and aware, is to say, well, I asked for an oak tree, I didn't ask for that, and stomp on it because it's not big enough. But everything, if it's a good idea, part of it is just showing up and doing the work, showing up and doing the work, showing up and doing the work. I, I quoted John Maxwell in that talk. And John Maxwell is one of my heroes. Never met him, but wonderful stuff. And he said, you've got to get comfortable doing things wrong on your way to right. And if you're going to let, sometimes you make a mistake, keep you from continuing to move forward, you, you're selling yourself short. So these bigger ideas, these more interesting questions, what brings us to life? What's exciting? What are the four dreams? Determine the cost of these dreams and calculate your target monthly income. What would it take financially? How many of us do get that specific? It would cost, Timothy, I'm reading the back of the book on the cover here. 
He went from $40,000 per year in 80-hour weeks to $40,000 per month in four hours per week. Hmm. I'm, maybe there's something for me to know here. What, what could I do with all that energy and time and, that, and, and, and opportunity? And it's not just Timothy Ferris or me. It's all of us. But it's, it's welcoming a bigger idea. You know, I used to think that the bigger facility would be a great thing. And now I realize, man, we got the Internet. Well, why put resources into a facility when you got the Internet? And then how do you fund that? And how do you make it, you know, self-supporting? And how do you do those things? Because we don't have time to build the cathedrals. If building the cathedral were the answer, believe me, I'd be out there right after service. I'd be mixing the mortar and, and hauling the stone. It's about giving birth to the consciousness. You know, me doing those seven lawns, I've got to tell you something. My resentment, because I, I started down the path of resentment and judgment and blame and criticism, and I realized the cost, it was too expensive. I said, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. And then the thought would come up, well, then, well, then do the work. And I'm like, oh, God, I'm not doing that. Then I'll just look like a sucker. I'm out there cutting strangers' lawns because they're too lazy to take care of their stuff. I'll look like a sucker. I mean, that's a, that's a way to think about it. And I realize does that get you to where you want to be? You know, either put up or shut up. I mean, this is the kind of, if you're wondering what I'm thinking about a lot, this is what's going on in my head. I might have a smile on my face, but the guy on the right is talking to the guy on the left. What's the problem? Who's unhappy in there? What can we do to move forward in this thing? Beautiful questions. Timothy verses shift the goal, goal. The goals shift from am, ambiguous to defined steps. The goals have to be unrealistic to be effective. Mary Madden Morrissey says that if you can get it done by yourself, it's not big enough. And it focuses on it focuses on activities that will fill the vacuum created when work is removed. Living like a millionaire requires doing interesting things and not just owning inevitable, enviable things. And now it's your turn to think big. It is our tur- turn to think big. It's we limit it. We limit it. There's this infinite divine intelligence, creativity that's pouring forth. And we're letting it, we're, we're turning the, the nozzle a little bit. And it's dripping out. And we're making up a story. I can make up a story about it that, that I'll drown any moment now. This morning I was doing this work and I got up and I went outside and, and I have to run a hose to the front yard to water. And I have a lot of potted flowers. And I love keeping the flowers alive. They're my pals. And they, they're starting to pop and blossom and... And, but they, sometimes on the hot days, you've got to water them twice. But they're my buddies. See, they, they're, they're doing their job. They're giving everything they got. But if I don't do my job, they, they, they dry up, and they're dead. And so I love it. It's like, here you guys go. Here's a drink. And every two weeks, I've got to figure it out. I work every, every year, I buy something a little different, and I figure out if I can keep it alive or not. The calla lilies didn't do well this year. Too much sun. I thought they were a sun plant. Oh, they need shade, and I had them out in the sun, and down to the calla lilies. Come on. Come on, girls. Anyway, so we had a memorial service here for him Saturday. It's me and the, me and the calla lilies. But it really is about it. See, Waddles says it. Waddles understood. Waddles understood that when we bring the perfection to this moment, and, we, and, and, when, and if, if we don't love it, we won't do it. When I know about me, if I don't love something, I won't take care of it. So I'm really selective about what I say yes to. And Laura and I have great conversations. You know what? I'm so blessed to live with this woman. 
I said at the earlier service, you know, getting married for men is, a, is a, an amplified version of domestication. And then Dale got up and said, no, it was an amplified version of domestication for me too. But it works both ways because we bring into our lives the people that I think we're most attracted to that it will help us grow and develop. I think if we're willing to step into it and bring into our lives the people that support us and want the best for us, and we can, and we can return that. And so then the partnership becomes a collaboration, and it's wonderful and it's powerful. All of it, all of it, all of it is, is, is it seeking greater expression, greater, fuller expression of life for us and through us. And when we understand that I'm not doing this out of sacrifice for my neighbors, cutting their lawns, I'm not doing this because I have to, because there's this arbitrary presence that's going to punish me if I don't bring the blessings uh, and, and the best of myself to this. What I'm doing when I don't live from that is I'm diminishing my own access and participation in that energy and so if I want to write the song or if I want to do a powerful talk and I want to show up and live an inspired life and and be open to inspiration then what I realize is my opportunity is each time we get together bring perfection to it I took a break when I was getting ready this morning I take a lot of little breaks I work, I work better when I take a little break I go off and you know and I wander out in the back and I check out the flowers and I go back in and I'll do another 10 minutes and, and the ideas pop for me that way and, and one of the hoses was, was needed rolling up, and I pulled it to the side, and I was just going to leave it there till this afternoon. And I got home, and I said, you know what? Let's do the best we can with the hose. This is exactly what you're preparing for. So it took me about three minutes. I rolled the hose up, and then I undid the other extension I used to take it out to the front because I don't have a spigot on the front of the house. And I curled it up, and it was complete. And I said, I'm done. I, but I, I realized this is exactly an a- example of bringing the perfection I can bring to, to that. To just do it well. We were here yesterday, we, did, we, took, we cleared the entire stage yesterday for this beautiful wedding. Bill was here and I was here. We took down the banner. We cleaned, there was, this place was pristine. Because I talked to the wedding party and I said, well, what if I build a scrim and I'll put this black cloth up and it'll cover everything. I just thought, man, that'll just look cheesy. This is their wedding day. Let's do the best we can. So Bill came in and I came in and we moved everything and he, and he, he put it all back together. But I just thought, you know, this is the way to do this. Let's do our best. I, ma- I mention those little examples because those are the little opportunities all along the way we all have. And if we're doing that, then our energy is free to do other things. And I love that. It makes so, such great sense to me. You know, when, when you're playing an instrument, looking at all you musicians, you're not, you can't think of anything else. I mean, you're present with what you're doing. You're captured, and I love that about music. I love that about when I listen to the music. I, it's a meditation for me. It's such a gift. That's why we do so much music around here. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's calculated because it's, it's another tool to lift us and amplify our level of being. And so it's exciting. It's exciting to be alive. It's exciting for me to listen uh, over a history of nine years and look where we were and where we are today and the evolution of things that want to keep ex- uh, expressing themselves. And the more present we are with them and the more that we can welcome them into our experience and then apply that to move forward and to also bless this moment. It's a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful thing. So it is. Blessings.